Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This bonus episode is brought to you by HP and their new Spectre X360 laptop. In this bonus episode, we are focusing on creative flow, especially creative flow state and what it is. How do we get into our best flow? How do we do our best work? And this isn't about just productivity per se, but how we can be our best creative selves at work. So my guest today to talk all about this is entrepreneur Grace Beverly, founder of sustainable style brand Tala and fitness tech brand Shreddy. By the age of just 23, Grace had been named in Forbes 30 under 30 retail and e-commerce list, graduated from Oxford University and attained a sustainable business accreditation from Harvard Business School. She is the best-selling author of Working Hard, Hardly Working, a guide on achieving more with less stress. So this episode is full of tips and tricks on how to unleash your creativity, reduce distractions, find your flow, and how the HP X360 Spectre's thoughtful design and features can help facilitate this. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Grace, and here it is. So welcome, Grace, back to Control-Alt-Delete. You came on the podcast when your book came out, which I can't remember when that was now, but we had a really good chat about it and you're back. So how have you been since that last chat that we had? I've been good, thanks. I feel like so much has happened in the past year. Like it feels like we've lived through three different years in one, just the ins and outs of lockdown and everything. Um, And I feel like I'm a completely different person in lockdown from, from out of it. I agree. I feel like my work life balance has changed massively during the lockdown and I feel like a lot of people have paused for reflection on what's working and what's not working and yeah it's been a weird time yeah do you know what I find as well is that with the with the change from moving out of lockdown like you try and fit just as much as you can fit in when you're sitting from home at home kind of doing one thing after the other and there's just no physical way you can do it and I just get so frustrated and then I'm like why am I trying to why am I trying to just negate the fact that like commuting exists or like if I have to go somewhere geographically it's going to take some time um and emotional energy and all of that um so quite the transition I feel like I'm kind of a child teaching myself how to like socialize again oh my god me too and also I'm just being really easy on myself I think because pre-pandemic me was very productive very go-getting left the house a lot and actually, mm. I feel like being inside suits my personality better. And if I get tired by 4pm, I'm like, maybe that's okay. Maybe we've been through yeah. some stuff. Today's episode is going to be about creativity and specifically creating or achieving creative flow state, which I was mm-hmm. really intrigued by because I'm all about creative flow and trying to be in the present moment more, especially when I'm doing my writing. So would you be able to talk a bit about what creative flow means to you but also creative flow state because it might be the first time people are hearing that phrase yeah absolutely so I actually did um completely coincidentally I'm really excited that we're talking about this today um I did a whole chapter in my book about flow um because I think it's really important I think we talk about the idea of like deep work and the fact that you should have this time where you dive into your work completely with no distractions and all of this and I think that is so so important because I don't know about you but when I'm doing you know proper really getting into something and really need to analyze or really need to think about something distractions just bring you out of it I think it's something like it takes 26 minutes to get properly back focused into um a task flow is so important when you um 
when you think about that idea of deep work um, and also enjoying that deep work too. So um, flow in terms of what it is for anyone who doesn't know um, is when you're doing a task that is at a high skill level and a high challenge level. So, you know, that feeling when you feel like something's kind of really hard, like a task's really hard, but you also have the capability to do it. It's kind of, it's almost like you get lost in it um, and you feel both capable and challenged and fulfilled. And I think that's, you know, what's so valuable about it. Um, And it's a concept in psychology that's so useful in work too. I think it's really, really important, not just for productivity and kind of getting the most out of your work, but also for kind of that idea of fulfillment and also enjoying the journey. And I think more of us need more of that because, you know, when you come out of a really hard day, but you know that you did it and you feel like felt like you could do it. There's nothing more fulfilling. And I think we often kind of shy away from that. So, yeah, it does feel really good when you've had a day full of flow. And in a way, you've rebelled against the distractions and attention seeking demands of the Internet and you know, people want you to buy stuff all the time. And, you know, you just (laughs) feel like you kind of have tapped into that willpower, which which is difficult. I mean, you're someone with so many different things going on. So Mm. have you had to really teach yourself this stuff? Like, was this hard at the beginning? Oh, absolutely. And I think you almost feel like infantilized by trying to teach yourself to concentrate because you're like come on I used to be able to sit through an hour and a half class at school like how can I not sit here and just like put my phone away and get you know get onto this and I think it's because like this whole idea of multitasking we think is super productive but can actually be really detrimental to your productivity and obviously everything's not about productivity but like I don't know about you but I kind of developed this idea that like if I'm on a walk I have to be listening to a podcast or I need to be doing this or you know if I'm working I should also make sure or, you know, I'm learning about this or making sure I'm online and all of these things and actually just recognising that if we want everyone to be online and reachable all the time, we're also going to be compromising that kind of idea of concentration and, you know, really being able to get into your work and get the most out of it. I think it's particularly prevalent in offices too, but at the same time, in an office, you can say, hey guys, I'm just going to work over there. And you feel like you're trusted because people can see you working over there. Whereas if you're remote working, kind of being like, hey guys, just by the way, I'm going to disappear offline for two hours, but I'm working really hard. There's this kind of like, "Mm, (laughs) are you? So you almost feel like you need to be online. You need to be messaging and all of these things. And I think that has to change. Um, But it kind of changes first by also recognising that you need to do that and that's the way you work best but yeah I've absolutely had to kind of teach myself again and again to do it and often I mean anyone who's worked from home with me or worked in an office with me will know that I literally lob my phone across the room when I'm concentrating on something because I just don't want to be anywhere near it and need to just concentrate on that thing um so yeah, it's been a, it's been quite the learning process. And I think it's constantly a learning process too, because we've very much just been surrounded by this like interactivity and constant in-touchness um, and all of that. Yes. That's why I have a love-hate relationship with Slack, because I do like that there's no red receipts. So mm. I can send a message and, you know, I'm not worried that someone's going to necessarily need to reply to it, but I have had to step back from it because it was so always on. And I found it really inspiring that Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, around chunking your time. So I'll work on something for three hours Um, because I used to have every single day for one particular thing, like writing or podcasting Mm. or whatever. And now actually, if I just work in chunks, 
that's good because I don't feel like that's multitasking because it's still like a good quality no. amount of time. And he says three to four hours is like the optimum time anyway. I think also a big part of flow and concentration and creativity and all of these things is like recognizing your boundaries. Um, and I cannot focus for probably more than 45 minutes. And I think if I got into my head that I could and I started time blocking my day in two hour blocks instead, I'd just be fighting a losing battle. So I think it's actually like, I originally, when I realised, I was like, oh God, this is really bad. I really can't concentrate for more than like X amount of time. Actually being like, okay, that's fine. So this is how I block my day instead. And I can still have like a two hour, you know, this is for this, this and this. But actually in that time, I know I can do that. Concentrate on this, break, concentrate on this. Um, And I think also a lot of the time we think of this like one size fits all approach to productivity because you read a book and it's like you have to do this like this method that top CEOs use to like get read 72 books a day and it's like wow I should do this too um and then it's like okay but actually my concentration span is completely different and my job's completely different and I don't have control over where my meetings are and all of these things um but for me I mean time blocking is the most essential part of anything ever and I think fitting flow into that type of time block um is so important it's true. And that's what that's what I like about reading a book where you try it and you're like, oh my God, this is me. This is like the solution yeah. for me. Because yeah. he, his thing is like, chunk your time and then the rest of the day can be chaos. So as long as you've like done your three hours, um, the rest of the day could be like emails or your friend ringing you. For me, I, I can't work with like regimented time blocks because I feel like I need mess in my day. Like I need... time to just be like oh I'm a human and like stuff is quite random so that's really interesting and I feel like there are so many ways people can um experiment I noticed in your bio you've said something about improving by one percent every day and I just wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you about that quickly because I really like that because I feel like it goes against the you know I must be a superwoman at all times and improve myself by a hundred percent every day is that something to do with like smaller steps or Yeah, absolutely. Well, what you were saying in terms of that, like three hour thing, I do completely agree. And I also think that like, if I ever get overwhelmed in a day, like today, for example, I have so many calls and there is no time to time block. And that drives me insane because I'm thinking like, how do I do this? How do I do this? If I don't give this task to this person, it won't be done by the time it needs to be done and all of these things. And actually I have a kind of thing in my head where actually if I get these three tasks done today, you know, I can, I can get everything else done. That's, that's fine. But like these three tasks are the ones that are really going to move the needle and get me to my goals or, you know, tick off that project that needs to be done next week or whatever it might be. Um, and so if I ever get overwhelmed, I kind of come back to that. And I'm like, these three things, if we've done that, we've had a productive day. And that doesn't just mean, you know, ticking three things off and then like lying in bed for the rest of the day, but actually three things can be quite a lot. Um, and if you just break it down to that, you can, get less overwhelmed um because I think one of the most overwhelming times is when you realize there are 3,000 things on your to-do list and actually if you just go okay these are the three most urgent most important things do them today and we're good um and at the same time as that I also think that that you know three hours either at the beginning of the day whatever works so well with me because once again I lose proper focus by like 1 2 p.m because when I'm working in the morning I have so much focus energy that I'm like put so much into it. And then I get to the afternoon and I like come out of it as if, 
you know, I'm just like completely delirious. And I'm like, well, I can't concentrate on anything until tomorrow. So then I have like my itty bitty bits of work that I kind of get through. I don't know about you, but I also go through phases um, of completely different styles of working and being like, this works so well for me. And then being like, I have done this too much. <laughs> Sorry, didn't answer your question at all. The 1% every day thing, um, first of all, cannot take any credit from it. That's from James Clear's Atomic Habits. And I love the concept for the exact same reason that you've said it. It's just that if you concentrate on improving everything every day you're a going to burn out b going to run out of things to improve on because that is physically impossible um and it just becomes constantly about this like output and everything and actually I like the idea that also that 1% every day, first of all, is about like habits and putting things in place just to do like a bit better. And compound improvement means you're going to end up improving by a lot more than 100% in, in you know, like over time um, because you're improving on that extra 1% from the day before as well. Um, but also it's just, you know, exactly as I said, being able to just break it down and being like, I'm going to improve on actually, you know, I'm going to get all my work done today, but I'm also just going to be a better friend today. And that's like my 1%. Um, and the next day it can be being more diligent or getting into a flow state more or doing that deep work or the next day it can, you know, it can really work with you. And I think if we have this like sole single faceted concentration in our life, it's always going to sell us short and we're always going to have problems with it. Whereas if you can just say today I'm going to do this today I'm going to do this and it's only about improving one percent every day and if I improve one percent every day I will improve exponentially um over the next year uh it just kind of breaks it down a bit yeah it slows things down a bit doesn't it because otherwise you could look at your diary and like scroll through the calendar and just be like oh my god this is so overwhelming and I feel like the one percent thing yeah it just breaks it down into smaller chunks again so it's like I'm working towards something it doesn't have to be all done everything today because I think that's something that we can fall into the trap of, isn't it? Like, oh, if we don't complete this massive to-do list and we failed, whereas if the to-do list is shorter, then we can succeed. And it's just like reframing that. Oh, I'm such a fan of setting yourself up for success. Just like know how long things take you, know how long you can focus for, all of these things, and don't expect things that are just impossible. (laughs) So what does a good day look like for you? What's a good creative day where you kind of go to bed and you're like, oh, that was that was a good day and I don't feel frazzled and I feel like I contributed quite a lot? I'd be lying at the moment if I say that I have got to any of the end of my days and not felt frazzled. So I'd just put that out there. I like to have a very good work-life balance, but that is completely not happening at the moment. Um, And I also think that's fine too. Like there are going to be times where you're like, I'm 90% work at the moment and I'm being really bad at balancing, but that's fine you know um so I first of all say that for me it's once again it's just about like knowing exactly where those parameters are for me so I know that I focus best in the morning so an ideal day for me would be getting up going to the gym getting that out of the way pretty quickly because if I allow that to drag on I will (laughs) miss my focus time um and I'm like a baby with like specific allocations of time that I can do certain things and then after that I'll sit down I'll have the kind of the endorphins from the gym and I will usually set out one or two of the most important tasks of the day I love this have you heard of the eat the frog concept so the the idea that you do your hardest task first and I think that is so 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 important some people need to warm up but I feel like you can warm up by like a 10-15 minute reading about the task you're gonna do so um you know it might be reading your old work or the brief or whatever but I really think the majority of people can eat said frog. 
I know in your book, you say you shouldn't fall into the trap of like endless admin in the morning. Mm. To me, the hardest thing is my annoying inbox. But I feel like if I do that first thing, I'd get carried away. Do you think it's more like the thing that you're putting off you do first? Yeah, so I think that it's a mixture and it won't be the same for everyone at all and you'll find what works for you. But I would say that as annoying as admin is, it usually doesn't take your kind of full concentration, which is why it becomes really annoying because you're like in the opposite of this flow state. I think actually the opposite of a flow state is apathy, a mid-skill level, like low challenge level, like on the flow chart, it's actually boredom. Um, and that's kind of like what it rates it at. And I think that is so true because you're kind of like working through it and you're like, this is so time consuming and I need to do all of these things, but it's also really not engaging your brain. And I think that knowing when you have most focus in the day and being able to kind of engage your brain in that is so important. But also if you get the worst task done first, you're going to be fine for the rest of the day. Um, and that might be your admin, but for me, it definitely, as much as I hate those things, it isn't because they don't take that much brain power. So I can kind of shift them. I also think when it comes to emails that just like setting email time blocks has been so important for me because otherwise you can, you know, I literally have like an hour at the end of the day that I tackle the most important emails and they're all in one um, thing and I tackle them all together. Um, And I have, you know, I have one midway through the day as well because I can't just ignore everyone for the whole day and I'll put the urgent things there. But otherwise I just feel like it drags on so much. But once again, it will be different for everyone. But I feel like that eat the frog thing has to be something you're kind of dreading, but also something that takes you kind of need to get into either that deep work or that flow. For me, I'm prioritizing my own important thing in the morning. So at the moment, because I've got a big writing project that I need to do, Mm. I'm I'm getting up, I'm doing that for three hours. And then by the time it's like 11 o'clock, even now we're recording this at 10.30, I've already done my three hours of my writing. So I can be for other people now. I think that's so important. And I think that frog needs to get you towards those goals. So for me, for example, um, my one tomorrow is our like annual marketing calendar and we're signing off every single release across every part of the business and all of that um, for Shreddy. And that is going to take a a big chunk of time. But actually, that's so important. That gets me towards my goals. That's, you know, enables everyone else to do those things. Um, And so I'll just have to do it at the beginning of the day. There is not a chance I could do that at the end of the day because I just whiz through it and be like, yep, looks good. (laughs) And I just know that's not, you know, that's not me being best at my job at all. So I need that like full concentration get in there which is much more likely to be at the beginning of the day before you're like oh but this person's now asked for this and this person's asked for this yes well this episode is made possible by hp and the hp specter has a focus mode i'm so passionate about the focus mode on this product so on the x360 it literally has a focus mode that you can put on and it dims the background of any other apps nothing pops up and i think i can see it like peering in the corner of your Zoom screen. So should we talk about that a bit? Because I do think it's really great that you can dim the background apps while you focus. And I do, the technology is there kind of to help us. No, absolutely. And I think the thing is like technology can be, you know, can be really distracting, but when you use it right, can be really helpful too. And I think it's also like knowing yourself kind of, as we talked about before, know what gets you, know what that like kryptonite is. And if it's like those Slack notifications pop up, just know that and and kind of write it down and start to deal with it better and better each day. Almost like mothering yourself and being like, you know what? I know you can't have this and not get distracted. So I'm just going to take it away from you. Yeah. And it's like an obstacle course now, isn't it? Every time you open your phone, like the amount of data that these platforms have on us, it's like, of course, I'm going to be advertised 
this evening dress that I want to buy for the event that I'm going to later in the week. And of course I want to go and buy that instead of doing my work. And you just got to try and minimize all of it. And it's just, yeah, a world of distraction. So in terms of using tech and being creative or even going analog, I wanted to bring up one of the myths around creativity that it's for like painters and poets and artists and sculptors. And it really is for everyone, no matter what your job is. You work in the business world. You are very much a creative person, but to a lot of people, they would think their job isn't creative. Mm. What does creativity look like for you, like in your day-to-day kind of business world? Well, I think I completely agree. And also I grew up in a family of very creative people and I was like known as like the non-arty one. So it was very, but but I always thought I was like, I think I'm quite creative, just not in the same way. Like if you, we had a like Christmas competition where we had to make things out of Play-Doh and honestly mine looked like a child kind of sat on it and theirs looked like these beautiful like artsy pieces. So like maybe... I'm not the most creative in that way. But I also think there are, you know, there's a huge amount of different types of creativity. And I think often at school as well, you can kind of be branched into those two different things. Like you're either like sciencey and mathsy or you're creative. Um, and actually there's so many different nuances to that. And you can, I think for me, creativity comes into like creative thinking in terms of when a problem comes along, like how are you able to solve it in a different way? And also, you know, when a brief comes along to do something, how can you think outside the box? And I think also I talk in the book as well about like how creativity can be one of the most valuable things to making yourself valuable in the workplace. Because if you do something in a unique way and you approach something in a unique way, yes, a lot of the time, you know, when I was sitting at my job, my internship at IBM and I needed to do like Excel reporting, okay, fine. Probably it wasn't that fun if I came at it with like a very creative eye. But if you are able to approach problems in general and say, this, I think this would be a better way of reporting because, you know, it's easier to see it this way or, you know, people are able to fill this in really easily, whatever it might be, the more you can come at it with like a unique view of creativity and it won't always work, but the more you can do that, the more you make yourself invaluable as well and the more you'll enjoy the process. So I think bringing creativity, like whatever that means to you into your work, whether you're employed or self-employed or kind of a business owner, whatever it might be, there is so much value in that. And I think getting extricating that view from like school of being, of creativity being like just about like painting or writing or um, whatever, and actually just kind of like ha- making it more about just experimenting and having fun with what you're doing um, is so valuable both to your work and also I think to your mental state too, because it's never nice to think that, you know, a t- task can just be done one way and one way only. Yeah, for sure. And actually like the the actual creating for example of my books, yes is on a screen, but the actual creativity is the walks, the chats with my friends, going to the cinema, post-it notes, journaling. Like it's that's the stuff that actually makes me feel the most creative, definitely not when I'm at my desk, really. I mean, is there anything that you do to get yourself into that headspace that isn't just like being at your desk? Yeah, absolutely. So all of those kind of things like going on a walk, like talking to people, like whatever, work really well. But I also think there are some times that you need like 
to almost give yourself creativity now. So I talk about creativity kind of triggers um, in the book quite a lot. And that's because I think that it's often, we're often expected now to be able to be like on a call about this and talking about numbers and whatever. And then the next second, you're meant to be writing like a really creative brief. Um, and there's so much variety in most jobs um, that you kind of almost need to jump between the two and that can be really hard. So there are obviously things like reading, writing, but also something that I find is kind of absolutely foolproof for me is just like making a mind map. And it might, it, it sounds so silly and very primary school, um, but whenever I'm about to do something and I can't really get into it, I'll just like bring out my notebook and do a mind map and like let it kind of flow from there um, and almost like word association type stuff. But it just like broadens your mind because I think that if I'm scrolling on Instagram or replying to an email, I won't be thinking in a broader sense, but actually being able to get myself into that sense, I think is really important. And then sometimes I need a little help from external sources. So it might be listening to, you know, watching a quick YouTube video about the topic or something similar, um, or something completely unrelated that just brings your mind back to a neutral state, um, rather than being like in the previous task. So I think that's really important for me, because otherwise I can just get into a rut of no creativity. For sure. You'd mentioned something about the HP tablet mode and mm. the HP pen. Is that like an in-between? Because it's not, it's not a notebook and it's not a laptop. It's like the middle ground. Well, I think that it's exactly that. Like, I don't want to be linear in the way I do certain things. So if I open up like a document and just start writing, it won't necessarily like allow my mind to go into those kind of different branches. Um, and so being able to use like a pen and do that, but still be able to save that work is so, so, so important for me because then I can, you know, probably later on, I can put that to the side and work that into a more linear sense that will make sense to people. Because if I just sent mind maps off to people, they'd be like, okay <laughs> thanks but it's almost really important well for me it's really important to be able to like visualize how all these things connect even if they're so different um and often it just takes that much to be able to get it off the ground and I think that I used to get so frustrated at myself and be like just sit down and do it like it doesn't need to be this big song and dance but actually sometimes it does and sometimes you need to get your brain into that zone and you need to get this task done but you need creativity but you kind of need it now um and a lot of our jobs you know, we, we can't always, you know, get up and go on a walk. We almost just have to be like, oh, well, I've, I've really got to do this. So for me, having something like that, that's interactive and on the same computer, but doesn't feel like I'm just like sitting there um, and trying to force something out, I'm able to get a bit more creative with it is so important to me. Um, and I think will be for a lot of especially like visual learners and people who present things in a way that makes more sense to their mind without just being like a big old list. Yeah, for sure. Because I, in my last book, Disconnected, I basically wrote about how it doesn't have mm. to be one or the other. Like it doesn't have to be going on this digital detox for a month. Yeah. Like, who can do yeah. that? I don't really know anyone that could actually go and do that. Um, so what's the middle ground? Like how can we actually learn to kind of like the internet again or like our tools again and, and actually use them to help us? Because when we're, when we're having a good day, when I'm having a good day, like using my laptop, using my phone, going on a walk and like doing a Zoom call while I'm walking or whatever, it's like you can kind of integrate lots of different ways into your lifestyle. It doesn't have to be so regimented, I feel. Yeah. And I also feel like this approach of being like, oh, no, we just need to stop young people being on the internet so much. It's like, yes, in a way, sure. But also understanding that this is now the way we work and communicate. And you might be working in a team with someone who's in the US and someone who's in Australia and so many different things. Like, it's not realistic to just shun 
technology and like the internet it actually working with it and working with ones that work particularly well for you like this type of process of being able to do focus mode or being able to you know whip out a pen um and and use it like you would paper but still be able to save that work or send it to someone for just being able to recognize like okay but this is our working world now and if you just say no not going to do this um and i need six days a week off the internet um it's possible at times for some people, but the majority of the time, it's not going to be. So actually working out how it can work for you and using those tools, I think is so important. And I'm so impressed when technology companies really get that right and really understand um, exactly kind of what you need to be able to do to make that work. How do you say no to things? How do you turn things down? Because for me, creativity is like my prioritizing myself in the mornings. It's like I get invited to like fun things on paper, but I sort of know that they'll encroach into my my goals. And so if I'm out doing that all the time, I'm not really at, at home doing my thing. How do you balance like what you say yes and no to? Well, I think it's really important, like both sides of that. I think it's really important, obviously, to be able to recognise like, okay, this is a great opportunity and sounds like it's really fun, but also I just can't do that at the moment. Like I can't fit it in. It will be that or seeing my friends. And actually, although that might I might meet someone cool or whatever, I need a good like rant with my friends um and also at the same time just like having your boundaries because I think obviously if we all accepted all opportunities and invites whether that's kind of work or friends or you know self-care things we I mean we literally wouldn't have enough hours in the day um so I think for me it's about working out my priorities at any one time. And like, particularly now, for example, I'm going through a phase where I feel like really frazzled. And at the beginning of January, I felt so good. And now like, I've, I've gone, I think, you know, particularly also when I'm feeling good about my work, I work too hard because I'm like, I have limitless potential. Look at me go. Um, and actually I need to be able to be like, okay, you do, but slow down. Um, and so I just, I kind of really, I, I definitely haven't aced it yet. The kind of, saying no to more things and I it usually really does disappointingly take me to get to a point where I'm like actually this is too much like I need to start taking things out now um but I also think that's quite human too yeah I do that I do that all the time where when I'm feeling good I like fill my diary because I'm like oh look at me I've got endless energy I'm like I can do everything and then I look at it when I'm feeling frazzled I'm like what have I done to myself but I also think we kind of need to be kind to ourselves in that way because it is like naturally you will have more energy at like different times we even if like even as women for example like you understand how much your hormones change throughout the month and then you're like well but I'll be fine (laughs) but also like you might have a week where you're just absolutely exhausted because your body is like trying to deal with something or you know you're particularly tired or you just can't get enough sleep or you know you're you've got a friend who's really ill and so it's taking away from your emotional capacity like we can't tell ourselves off for just constantly, for not knowing how we're going to feel with that thing we accepted two months ago. And the majority of the time, like, I'm really quite hard with myself because I'm like, no, but you need to do this. Like, the majority of people don't have this flexibility and therefore, if you're going to further yourself, you need to do this. Then I kind of allow myself to take a step back and be like, the world will not end if you say you're too busy for this. Um, And just kind of breaking it down to that and being like, and it's fine. It's fine that you don't know how you're going to feel in two months' time. People are very understanding, actually, when you do say no, because I think everyone's been through it. If you, so for me, for example, I want at least two nights a week on weekdays on the sofa, staring at the ceiling or watching the TV or doing nothing of value at all, because otherwise I will just absolutely frazzle myself. So that leaves 
two nights a week to be sociable. And then if you think, okay, well, I have more than two friends. And then you're thinking, oh, well, if I need to see like my family as well, that's probably like more than eight people. So that's taking me to a month away. And then you're like, this is where the problem comes from. (laughs) Because if you're constantly, you know, like we can't tick all of these boxes at once. And I still get so frustrated with myself when I'm like, I've done it, I've, I've booked in too much and I've caused this problem again. When am I going to learn? But actually, like, sometimes it's part of your personality. Sometimes it's part of, you know, when you're really good and you can do that. And it's also like, if you get annoyed at yourself every time that happens, you're going to be annoyed at yourself a lot of the time, or at least I know I am. Um, so it's, for me, it's more about learning. Like, there are going to be different priorities. And I, I know in August, for example, I mean, I was kind of pitching full time, but I also was really, really like struggling mental health wise. And I just remember I got to this time where I was like, I woke up one day and I was like, I cannot do today. Like, that was the first time I've ever woken up and just been like, there is no chance, like, it could be the most important call in the world and there is no chance I can step on that. Like, I will literally bawl my eyes out hysterically at this person. So I just cancelled everything that day and no one died. Like, and I know that people, you know, the majority of the time can't do that. We find it really important. For example, we've got two duvet days a year in everyone's contract that's just like, for days that you're just like, my mental cannot and therefore I'm taking a duvet day or my pet died and that's not, you, you know, usually covered by employer grief stuff and, you know, all of those, all of those um, things that actually just recognising the world will not end if sometimes, like, you recognise that you probably bit off a, more, a bit more than you could do and you need to take it back a bit. For sure, for sure. Because I think a lot of people struggle to take time off. It's like a real thing. It's, mm. you go on holiday and you just sort of, it takes you like a full week sometimes to even like, sort of change up your nervous system from like work, work, work to rest. And um, yeah, it was really important. And actually I know not everything should come back to work, but I do actually get my best ideas when I'm on holiday. So there's something in yeah, there. There's something in that. it's true. But I also think it's like allowing yourself little like brain holidays sometimes. So for example, in 2022, you know, 2019 was the year for me committing to, we- to taking weekends. So not working on weekends. 2022, I delete my social media at 5 p.m on a Friday and re-download it on Monday after I'd been to the gym and done my morning stuff. And that for me has just changed my life. And this time last year, I would never have been able to do that. And just giving myself a brain holiday and being like, do you know what? Over the weekend, I do not exist online. (laughs) Like, I know (laughs) that I technically do still, but like, I don't. And that's, it's not real. It's just there and nothing dies if that goes. That's really great. And and really sort of achievable, isn't it? Like it's, Mm. it's doable. Well, two, I think it's also like growth because two years ago, I didn't think I could take weekends. I was like, but I have to do this and I have to do this. And it's the time I get when no one else is online so I can work through this, this and this. And last year I would have thought this was completely unachievable. So growth, acknowledging that you're probably slightly addicted to things and it's probably a way you get some internal and external validation for your work and all of these various different things and being like, on the weekend, I'm just a good friend and someone who loves their bed. Yes, exactly. And, and and a reminder that, you know, we all make choices and yes, everyone has to work, but we do get to have a little bit of choice about what our day looks like day to day, having the mini holidays in your mind or having having a walk at lunchtime. I think it's important to um, talk about the importance of creativity and flow. So thank you very much for coming on. And thanks to HP again for sponsoring this branded episode. And I'll leave the links below. So thank you very much. Thank you. 
thank you so much to Grace for coming back on the podcast to talk about the creative flow state and thanks to HP for bringing us together to discuss this topic. You can find out more about the features of the HP Spectre X360 laptop and how they can help you with your creative flow state by visiting hp.com forward slash thoughtful laptop.